The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey church, around here it's back to school time and I know that's true for many of you and, and this year it's looking a little bit different for many of us. We're, we're coming through, I think we're still in this pandemic and one of the things that I know to be true for each and every one of us is this has been a season where we've had to struggle and try and figure out what isolation looks like. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna take a quick break, just a one week break from our study of the book of Philippians and roll out out a new initiative that we have as a church in hopes that what we can do is battle some of this isolation. No matter how long the pandemic lasts, we all know this to be true. God created even the most introverted one of you listening today, the most introverted person in the world. He still created us for other people, to need other people in our lives. And maybe you don't need 50 friends or 20 friends and you're great with one or two people, an inner circle, if you will. But I know that God created us to not live on an island, to not live alone. And so today I just want to talk about that. I want to roll out this new idea and hopefully open our eyes and our hearts to the need for others, the need for people in our our lives. An inner circle, just the name of it, it seems impressive. It seems like something we want because of its exclusivity. Like, I want to be in the inner circle. Businesses have inner circles. Companies, organizations have inner circles. There's clubs that have inner circles amongst its members. Families even have inner circles. And unfortunately, sometimes even churches have inner circles. Now, Having an inner circle is not a bad thing if that group of people has a purpose. There has to be a good purpose for this small group of people, this exclusive band of brothers and sisters, and that purpose needs to be investing in, caring for, loving on one another. That's something we were created to need. And when we do not have it, we sometimes fail to notice how dry we're becoming, how empty we're becoming, how depressed, sad, and lonely we're becoming simply because the thing we were created for, the relationships that we need, that God put in us, that we need these things, we don't have them. And this season, I think, has really, truly driven us away from people and into isolation. And that's a problem. So we need to address that. I want to look and talk about circles today. They make sense for us. There's, there's graphs with circles because we can see it. We can visualize it. We can understand where we fit in the graph, where we fit on the chart. And today I want to focus ultimately on your inner circle. But let's start first with just the circles of commitment within a church. This guy named Rick Warren, pastor of a large church out in California. He wrote a book called Purpose Driven Church. He wrote that first. Then he wrote a book you maybe heard of called Purpose Driven Life. It only sold like a billion copies. So that's where that came from. But he wrote Purpose Driven Church first. And he described the church in concentric circles. And he said this, on, on the outside circle, there's community. For a church our size, for a church with our reach, that's anyone who lives basically within 20 miles or so of the church. That's the community that we're trying to reach. It's just the people, all of them. Once a person walks in the door of a church, then they become part of the crowd. 
someone who's attended, they've come to an event, but they really have no commitment whatsoever to the church. They've just been through the door. We may know who they are, we may not. They're part of the crowd. The next level is they become part of the congregation. This is someone who regularly attends, but isn't necessarily connected in a truly life-giving way. They're not necessarily serving. They're not in a small group, but, but they're here. They're, they're a part. They're part of the congregation. The next level is those who are committed. The committed are members who are serving. They're contributing. They're growing in their own discipleship and the discipling of others. We would call that part of the almost inner circle, but then there's one more layer even, and that's the core, the core of the church. These are lay ministers who are fulfilling the vision of making disciples that make disciples. So we as a church, we have people in every one of those circles. And as people commit more and more to the church, they progress towards that final level of being a core member Someone who's helping fulfill the vision and the mission of our church to make disciples for the glory of God. Those same circles, though, can apply to our relationships. Think, think of it this way, that outer circle, the circle of community. That's anyone you come into contact with on a normal day. That's your community. People that work in the same building as you, people that live in your neighborhood. That These are your community members. But then most of us from that community, we will have some people that are part of our crowd. These are our acquaintances. We know their name. We say hi. We're cordial. You don't really know what's going on in their life. They don't really know what's going on in your life. They're, they're acquaintances. They're people that you're nice to, and it's fun to know who they are, but they're just crowd. For the congregation level within our relationships, these are the people who you know, and they know you. I, I would say at this point, these are people you call friends. These are your friends. But we all then have a next level of friendship, that committed level. These are people who know you and you know them, but they also care for you. There's intentional effort with these friends to love on them and, and they're loving on you. When, when you're in need, they're going to be there for you. They're, they're committed to this relationship, the give and the take, the health that comes from that. But then those of us who are lucky enough to find this, those of us who truly have an inner circle, just a few people who are core, these are your most trusted people. These are the people in your life who sharpen you, who push you towards better things. They invest in you and you invest in them. A simple way to know if a friend has become a core friend, uh, an inner circle type person is this. Are you better together than you are apart? Are you better together in relationship with one another than you are apart? Many people want this type of relationship, but it takes progressing through all of those levels. It takes commitment. It takes being known. It takes caring for one another, truly investing in one another to become a core inner circle type of friend. But Proverbs 27, 17, it talks about this type of person as iron sharpens iron. So one person can sharpen another that's the idea here, an inner circle sharpening you. You may go, where is, where is this talk going? Like, I, I need an inner circle, but, but why? Well, here's my main point. Jesus had an inner circle. And if Jesus, being the Son of God, felt the need to have an inner circle, 
then we would be wise to identify one for ourselves and seek to find those people in our lives. Looking back through those same circles in Jesus' life, he had the community, the masses, anyone that he came into contact with on a normal day. But then Jesus also had a crowd of followers, sometimes welling up towards a 15, 20,000 people that were there. They were listening. They were engaged. But there's something interesting about Jesus and crowds. He did everything he could within his ministry to disperse the crowd because he desired more relationship. He didn't want to be popular. He didn't need 20,000 people chanting his name because he knew they were just there for a free meal. They were just there for the show. He wanted something more. He wanted intimacy. He wanted purpose and mission. So then if we look at Jesus specifically, who became his congregation? We see in the New Testament that those were the 72. The 72 that he sent out to do the work of the gospel, the ministry that he came to this earth to do. Those were his people. They were committed. He knew them by name and they knew him. They did life together. But there there were too many of them for him to invest super intentionally into every one of the 72. So then he had 12, his committed 12, the 12 disciples, the ones who were with Jesus even when everybody else ran away. He cared for them. He shepherded them. He loved on them. He taught them. He pulled them aside after the masses and the crowds had dispersed. And he said, now I want you to understand further. I want you to be known on a more intimate level. But then Jesus had an inner three, a core group of people, Peter, James, and John from the 12, but he had this inner three, his closest of close friends, the ones he invested the most in, the ones he trusted the most in, the ones he was the most vulnerable with, Now, there were multiple times in Jesus' ministry where he pulled those three aside just by themselves, but two huge ones were two monumental moments in Jesus' life. The first one, the day that Jesus was transfigured. We find it in Mark chapter 9, the day that Jesus went up on a mountaintop and God spoke. It says this in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, the core, Those three, he took them with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. There, Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could possibly bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses. They're long gone, but there they are standing right there who were talking with Jesus like this is just a normal thing. Peter said to Jesus, teacher, rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Yes, we we get to see this. We get to partake in this. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. We got to keep this thing going. Verse six, he didn't know what to say. Everyone was so frightened. Peter's notorious for just mouthing off. Let's build homes. That's what we'll do. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love, listen to him. Peter, James, John, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they, were no, long, they no longer saw anyone with them except for Jesus. The moment was over. 
They were mesmerized. They were stunned. They just witnessed something that no one else had got to witness. God spoke once before when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, said a very similar thing, but Peter, James, and John were not, not there on that day. But here, about a year and a half into Jesus' ministry, they get to go as the inner circle to the top of the mountain. They get to experience Moses and Elijah. Can you imagine going back and sharing that story? You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. It's Moses. It's Moses. It's Elijah. Tried to build him a house, but it was over before, over before we get the foundation laid. It was incredible. Uh, and then God spoke. Oh, by the way, God spoke. And we're supposed to listen to him. We're, we're supposed to listen to, to this guy. And you can imagine the other nine left at the bottom of the mountain. They were arguing about how to cast a demon out of a of boy. They heard this and they went, why, why, didn't we get to, why didn't we get to go? Why didn't we get to experience this? Because even Jesus had an inner circle. Those that he invested more heavily in. Those that he trusted more. Those that he shared experiences with. And he would do it one more time. Uh, the night he was betrayed, the last night he would be on this earth, he took... Peter, James, and John into the Garden of Gethsemane and he pulled them a little further away from the, the 12 and he asked them to pray. We see that in Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 32. It says, They went to the place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He then took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He became vulnerable in front of them. He showed the pain and the anguish that he was in in front of his inner three. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said. Stay here and keep watch. Literally, stay here and pray. Pray for me. This is too much. I need my inner three right now to lift me up. I need, I need strength. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it's possible, this hour may pass from him. Father, Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible with you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He didn't want his inner three to fall away. He knew it was going to get rough. He knew it was going to get tough. He said, you need to be praying for me, but you also need to be praying for yourself. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Sometimes your inner three, sometimes your inner circle's gonna let you down. That doesn't mean you scrap it. That doesn't mean you get rid of it. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping? Are you still resting? Enough! The hours come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let's go. Here comes my betrayer. From the top of the mountain to the saddest, hardest moment in the garden, who was there with Jesus? Peter, James, and John. His inner three. Jesus needed an inner circle. And if Jesus needed one, then I think it would be wise for us to make sure that we have one. People to have intimate conversations with people that we trust, people that we trust enough to be real and vulnerable with, to, to show them where we're really at, to bring them into our prayers, our petitioning before God, people that we pour into, that we invest in, and that invest back in us. 
and people that have a shared mission. Church, you can have two or three really close friends, but the type of inner circle I'm proposing is one where you do all of those things, but then you share a mission, you share a purpose. They are trusted co-workers for your good and for the glory of God. You're laboring together for the same things. We need this. We need this in our lives. You need this. And here's why. Two main reasons that apply today. One, because life is hard. And especially right now, it's hard. Life is hard, so you need close, intimate friends who know what you're walking through and going through, who will be there with you when life is hard. And the second reason why you need an inner circle is because what God wants from you, specifically to make you look more like Jesus, what he desires for you, is accomplished so much easier when you have others walking with you on that mission on that purpose, with that same desire for themselves, but also for you. They want to see you succeed just as much as they want to succeed in looking more like Jesus. Why is life so hard right now? I've already talked about the isolation, the uncertainty. Anyone? Anyone done just guessing what's going to happen next? Anyone kind of sick and tired about what news is going to break the next day that's going to rock your world? The uncertainty, the division. There's so many things that are dividing us. You've got to know that you've got some people that are not going to leave you ever. They're yours, they're your inner circle. The division that we see right now, the fear, the fear that we have in our lives. And if you say you don't have fear right now, I think you're lying to yourself. The need for people to come alongside and encourage you and provide hope for you. The hate that is so prevalent in our world, we need to balance it out with true unconditional love that comes from an inner circle. And because right now it seems like there's a lot more work to be done and far fewer hands to get it done. And Proverbs is very clear that many hands make lighter work. It's a better return on your investment. Jesus also wants you to look more like him. We call this discipleship. And discipleship, becoming more like Jesus, it's not super easy. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. But if you have people there to encourage you, to pray for you, to show you your blind spots, we've all got them. Even the most self-aware person watching today has blind spots that others can see to pick you up when you fall. Pity the person who falls and has no one to pick them up. People to listen to you, to provide care for you when you're down, when you're hurt, when you're sick. To invest in you and your family. Close friends who know not just what's going on in your life, but what's going on with your family. People to push you towards Jesus. When you become apathetic, or even when you begin to fall, to be there to catch you, push you back towards him. And for you to do all these things, the same for them. That's what an inner circle does. And so today, church, I want to propose to you 
something that we're simply calling circles. The idea couldn't be more simple. Circles. You hear this and say, I think I need that, or I may already have that, so then you just institute this plan. But here's the idea. You invite three people or so. We would love it to be three plus you. We'd love it to be four people, but it's three people or so into your circle for a specific purpose, for you to know them and to be known by them, for you to invest in them and for them to invest in you, and for you to share the mission, the mission of making disciples that make disciples. That's the mission of our church, but it also is then the mission of this group to disciple one another, to push them towards Jesus. It's really a beautifully simple way for us as a church to fulfill our mission of making disciples that make disciples by you choosing three other people to push each other towards Jesus. Here's what we will provide. We will provide you with some material, very simple material, specifically this. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you as the point person for your circle, you will receive a text message. It'll probably have a verse or two with it and a simple question for you to share with your circle to start a conversation. Do you do that in person? Do you do that over the phone? Do you do that over text? Do you do that over Zoom? It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter. You just engage with your people regarding that scripture and that question and you begin to sharpen one another. Then on Sunday, you'll receive another text that goes along with the message from that week. What if my circle doesn't go to church here? That's fine. It's just biblical truth. Biblical truth that you maybe talk about a little bit more. We would love you to set up a time each week where you know you're going to talk through that, but you don't have to. It can, it can just be relational. And here's what you provide. Here's, here's all you provide. The people within the circle. Those can be people from within our church, but preferably, preferably they'd be people from without or from outside our church. People that you already have relationship with. You know, I, I've got a brother-in-law that lives in Minneapolis. I, I'm trying to wrestle through who my circle is going to be. He, he would be a very obvious candidate. We live 13 hours apart, but that's the great thing about technology. It shrinks that down. My wife She has a running text thread with her three best friends from PA school. She's been out of PA school for years, almost a decade. But these four girls total, they talk almost every day. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be her circle, but it's already in place. So Paige signs up to be the point person for circles within Summit Church. None of those girls attend Summit. One of them lives in California. None of them attend Summit, but that becomes her inner circle. And this already natural friendship now has purpose and mission. Simply by receiving a text message and copying it and pasting it, sending it back out. It's not a hard concept. Some of you might be thinking, well, is this going to replace home groups? Todd, because we've already got home groups within a church. That, that's, you've, you've been preaching for years. That that's where we're supposed to find our community. Absolutely not. It doesn't replace home groups at all. In fact, your circle may come from within your home group. That would be just fine. This is something that in the season we have, 
where isolation is driving us, where fear and uncertainty are driving us, where we are struggling to figure out how do you COVID-proof our mission? How do we still make disciples who make disciples? The idea that we came up with out of prayer was circles. Let's shrink it down. We're not gathering the masses right now, so let's shrink it down. You as a point person for your circle, choosing to strive, to invest, to pour into your people, hoping they will do the same for you so that you'll look more like Jesus. So what do you do? You're like, I'm in. Okay, what do I do? How, what's, the, what's the investment here? You go online, summitonline.tv, and you sign up to be a point person. You give us your information, and starting Labor Day, on that Monday, you receive a text message. You find your circle between now and then. You, you don't necessarily have to even tell us who all your circle is. But you find your circle, you get them ready, and you start doing life together. You start a conversation. That's all you got to do. You go online and you sign up. We send you the text. You get them out to your group. It's that simple. And sometimes simple things are exactly what we need. Sometimes we can overcook the beans as a church and make it really difficult. We're trying to make it really simple. Your circle. We all need people. Now, maybe more than ever, we all need people. Invite your circle. Be consistent with your circle. You need to know and be known by people, especially in this season. And if we are going to continue as a church to fulfill our God-given mission to make disciples for the glory of God, disciples that make disciples, then I beg you, Get on board with this. Get on board with this idea of circles so that A, you may grow in your walk with the Lord and your discipleship. But then B, that you will be discipling, that you will be strengthening those people closest to you as you invest in them and as they invest in you. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in and through this simple idea called circles. It's so biblical, it's so needed. Now all you have to do is commit. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will call us by name into this discipling relationship with those in our life that we already have, to be intentional, to put forth the investment and the time, to share our lives with others that we trust and that we know and who, are, who we are known by. God, I pray that you remove obstacles that might stand in our way, that you sharpen us as we sharpen one another. And God, most importantly, that you are glorified as we make disciples who make disciples. We love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.